Hello, is it August? Is it time for us to dust off our pedestal so we can put our action figures on display? Why? I think it is. Hi everyone, my name is Sumpia Masilo. I am the co-host of Activating Youth Activism and the host of Action Figures, our very first campaign. <laughs> it took me a minute. I had to I had to do a little quick pause there because wow. And it's all thanks to you. Thank you to each and every single one of you who've listened to every episode of Activating Youth Activism. You have given us that boost to say, guys, you're doing great. So why not? at the level of what you're doing, host your first campaign, center it around Women's Month, because there are way too many action figures that we need to celebrate. And I think in these times in South Africa, when we are receiving too much distressing information on what's happening to our women, to our children, to our members of the LGBTQIA plus community, we need a little bit of, of sunshine in the greatness. We need we need someone something to remind us that it's not all doom that there is a little bit of happiness out there and we hope action figures can do that for you guys we hope action figures can put a little smile on your face and remind you that yo hi there are some serious mokotos out there and we are here to protect them we are here to love them and most importantly in this moment we are here to honor them Bayanda Ndumiso, can you please introduce yourself and who you are in relation to the Triangle Project? My name is Bayanda Ndumiso. I am a gay man. I identify as gay man. My pronouns are he or his. Um, I Triangle Project, I am the political advocacy coordinator and my job entails uh, around political advocacy for the organization, including uh, working with political parties and training political parties on social cohesion and inclusion. Yeah, that's my that's my job. Thank you. And can you give us more information on what the Triangle Project is for those who don't know? So Triangle Project uh, is an organization, is a queer organization in Cape Town. Uh, Triangle is 40 years old um, and Triangle provides healthcare services to different kinds of, uh, of, of, to different communities, especially around the LGBTIQ plus community. Um, who we all know that is likely to not use your um, your healthcare facilities uh, in our communities because of safety issues or rather prejudice or judgment issues in our communities. So Triangle provides a, a fully functioning clinic for unhoused people and queer people in Cape Town. Uh, Triangle Project also trains different uh, departments, like the police, like politicians, IEC, uh, basically sensitizing these departments on how to treat or rather being aware of LGBTIQ plus issues. Triangle also provides psychosocial support uh, to, to the queer community. And we have a helpline um, that runs until 
morning until afternoon, uh, uh, just trying to talk to different people who need mental health care services. But Triangle also is very, also very big when it comes to advocacy around advocating for policy change, uh, whether it's through research or whether it's through protest or traditional media to put pressure on the government to actually uh, change uh, certain policies um, in that, that will benefit uh, the queer community across South Africa. Now, this interview is running alongside um, our campaign action figures, which is in celebration or commemoration of Women's Day, which happened on the 9th of August. The, the entire um, event was centered around women who didn't agree with the past laws of that time. However, mm. a lot of people also forget that within that group of women, there were also queer women who not only were being subjugated by apartheid's law, but within especially the Black community were being subjugated by other people within their community. And now we're here living in a democratic country, but it still feels as if not everyone is reaping the benefits of what happened on Women's Day. What policy gaps do you think still needs to be filled um, within South Africa's framework, especially within the constitution, to ensure that we're all living out the democracy that was fought for? I think my colleague will answer this question better, but because we share our work, I will, I will try to highlight a few things that she is working on. Um, one of the things that we we contributed to in, in intensively with other organizations in Cape Town, uh, uh, it was the hate crime bill. Um, South Africa currently right now is cannot fully uh, prosecute uh, uh, prosecute uh, somebody that who has done a hate crime because there's no hate crime bill. So this leaves a, a huge gap into like how people like get convicted when it comes to like what determines a, a hate crime, how does a, a hate crime look like, uh, what is a hate speech and all of that. Currently, we, we don't have that bill and that bill is before parliament for it to be approved. And this is a bill that we we will all feel like, you know, it, it's a bill that is needed so that those who create hate crime in the name of hating queer people um, and especially women who we have seen femicide, especially around queer women in our township, where are, they are targeted, uh, especially during COVID-19. Um, and most of those men, it's likely that they would get out of bail and go back to society without actually major repro uh, 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 major major punishment. So the hate crime bill will act actually allow and guide uh, the judiciary, uh, the, the state itself and, and the judges and, you know, basically to, to make sure that they, 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 they are able to prosecute and they're able to, to actually identify what is a hate crime and actually make sure that they, people serve the deserved years of healing, hating and perpetuating hate on 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 basically on 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 our community on our queer community i i, I think for 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 us for for all of these things is that 
are our policies inclusive of of the LGBTIQ plus uh, uh, or rather minority groups in, in South Africa? I mean, we've seen, I mean, South Africa across the world, it, it's regarded highly around its constitution being the best. But when it comes to policy transformation or policy change or rather policy implementation, South Africa is lacking a lot. And I think Triangle is not only just focused on queer policies, but it, it focuses on, on, on policies that affect the minority groups in South Africa, right? I just wanted to say that as, as a last comment on this. No, definitely. Thank you. And um, we've also worked on the hate crimes bill as part of the Youth at Sires um, working, it was a gender working group last year, now forms part of the Inclusive Society Working Group this year. And one thing that was definitely noted was the fact that it was almost embarrassing how now officially 28 years into democracy, there was there was so many gaps in the policy work and there were an entire group of people who were almost who are ignored and not seen within the policy framework, which then also then relates to how South Africans treat members of the LGBTQIA plus community on the ground as well. From where you're sitting at the Triangle Project, how do South African citizens get involved in assisting your plight? I think I wanted. I let, let me just pass a little comment, and I think w just to comment on what on on your last line around, it's it's quite embarrassing around like how this policy framework you don't see, uh, in, in any practical form in, in 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 our different provinces or in our different spheres of government. I I mean I want to make an example of the bylaws, uh, in Cape Town that criminalize LGBTIQ plus people or other people that are unhoused and staying on the street. Um, I think this is one policy that we're also very passionate about as Triangle Project, that it, it unhoused is taking a public bath um, or is making a noise uh, because maybe sometimes they're unsafe or they are being attacked. The city of Cape Town will actually criminalize them and put them in prison and accept them to inspect them and expect them to actually pay 2,000 Rand as, as a bail fee. We all know that actually they don't have means to pay this bill, which means therefore they end up in prison. This, are, this, this is one example where one city or bylaws can actually make sure that actually they, they criminalize a certain group or target a minority group um, and triangle is 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 big when it comes to like identifying those gaps and actually making sure that we advocate for for making sure that the bylaws do not criminalize unhoused people, of which we all know most of the unhoused people are likely to be sex workers, are likely to be LGBTIQ plus people. And we, for an example, we are working intensively now to whether to file letters and to raise these issues with the city of Cape Town to say that why is it that can't they found inclusive shelters that are literally making sure that they are safe, but also they are accommodated with the needs of access to health, mental health services, and so on. So I was just giving an example of like how a policy that is actually created or curated by a province can also 
form part of like being a problem into the national or threatens the entire constitution. Um, yeah. I'm still shocked that it is recognized as a public indecency. That for me is, it's scary considering how corrective rape won't be considered as <laughs> a public indecency at all. It, it, it's it's shocking how yeah. very backwards our country is, despite the fact that our presidents and our leaders like to think that they they've they've become transformative. Um, last year as well, the Youth Aside Gender Working Group wrote a very informative blog on the LGBTQIA plus community as well as, well, the blog itself looks into different dynamics of it. Um, including yeah. economics, religion, and health as well. Um, and I want to tap into the economic part of it. Um, how or why is it that we don't view members of the LGBTQI community as part of the economy in the sense that they end up being the most disadvantaged in our economy? I hope that question makes sense. I mean, for a long time, just to make you uh, laugh, Simpiria, uh, for a long time, we didn't rec recognize women as part of the economy. While women work 24 hours to actually make sure that men go to work and come yeah. back and and actually form a part of the production process. Um, for a long time, many people assume that just because women are at home, they are not working, they're not doing anything. While we all know that women actually work 24 hours and just because a man is going to go and work in a mine and come back with money, that is not just the only form of labor, right? So women for a long time, they were disregarded as part of like forming part of the economy. Until recent years where women were just like, no, no, no ways. We actually form part of the production process we make sure that these men are there on time. They are fully dressed with clean clothes. We take care of the children and that is work, right? So for mm. me, it's not shocking that at, at this point, you would not even, even in your census or you calculating people that live in this country, you would not make the provision to actually count how many queer people in this country. It means that you you have no, no, no intention to make sure that you're directly in, involved into making sure that you provide services for queer people. You're directly involved into making sure the social economic determinants of queer people are literally on the agenda of, of, of this country. So for me, it was shocking when NGO, LGBTIQ plus, you know, NGOs were fighting for us to be counted under the census new calculations. And for me, I was like, why is this like not even considered on a like presidential or national level? Because it's such a growing community and it's a community that needs uh uh that needs its own uh uh, uh not even its own needs, but I'm just saying that it's a community that is contributing immensely in our in, in the economy and in our country's policies and the way things needs to be. In, in, in these days. Um, so for me, I'm not, I'm not surprised that minority groups are still regarded as people that are not contributing to the economy, but rather man, cishet man, 
uh, and you know, uh, uh, are literally the ones that are driving the economy. And for a long time, that narrative um, has, has, has denied us to actually talk about who actually is, <laughs> is actually holding the whole economy of this country. Um, but I mean, I think for me is, is, is the fact that, that queer people are affected a lot. And, and the reason why we have not seen queer people as people that are contributing to the economy is because of the social determinant of health and, and economy as well that they face. And these may include, you know, a typical Bayanda who just comes out to their family and being chased out at home, quit school and just generally go work for a retail, um, um, you know, drop out at schools because of certain abuse, mistreatment, whether one, you know, I can count so many. And, 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 and that's why I think for me, it's important for us to know who is in the queer community space. Um, are they contributing to the economy? How do we advise them? How do we advance them? How do we develop them? And what are the needs of queer community in South Africa? If we are on the constitution, if we are allowed to be queer and live free in this country, we also, our needs are also, also needs to be prioritized, right? Yes. So that's why I'm just saying that I'm not surprised how queer people are disregarded as people that are not contributing to the economy because women for a long time, they were not seen as people that are able to contribute to the economy, right? Definitely. I think reading from this blog, and it's very scary to read these numbers, um, it says that estimated, sorry, the estimated economic cost of the wage difference and unemployment experience by queer people was to the amount of over 2.5 billion rand and 1.7 billion rand respectively, a combined cost of 4.2 billion rand for the economy. Mm. Those are those are billions <laughs> that we're speaking about. And like you said, it's it's shocking that NGOs have to still fight to be recognized and the country doesn't seem to understand how much is being lost. Simpiwe, in this country, in this country, Simpiwe, you still have employers that do not want to employ trans women and men in this country. Regardless of you being qualified as a journalist or as, as a qualified lawyer, you still get employers that are intentionally making sure that they do not employ queer people because it's an embarrassment to the company because they are judgmental and rather using their own cultural and spiritual views to actually employ queer people in this country. And that's why you 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 would find queer people creating their own businesses, whether it's a saloon, whether it's a nail, it's a it's a nail it's it's a nail saloon or anything like that. Those are the alternative for most queer people because professional spaces have deliberately excluded queer people from being employed in their own spaces, and that is another form of homophobia that this country needs to look at, right? And, and and when we talk about diversity and when we talk about ticking the boxes of who gets to be employed, queer people in this country, you will still find one 
and, and, and you still find one in each company just to tick a box and not to make sure that queer people who are qualified are there regardless of like, you know, of, 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 of them forming part of the ticking box. For me, what frustrates, uh, frustrates me about this whole thing is the fact that queer people are not, right? They're not, they're seen as weak. They're seen as dramatic. They're being dis dismissed in so many spaces and in so many tables of employment because of how they look, how they talk and how they express themselves. So traditional, traditional, traditional leadership in this country is still centered around masculinity. It is still centered around like masculine men, and it's still centered around men, right? Women in this country are still taken as a joke, right? Queer people in this country are still taken as a joke. And that's why you would find huge numbers. One of the reasons why you will find huge, huge numbers of queer people who are qualified, who can actually lead in those spaces and not given a chance. Yeah. And you, you say things like that, and it's like, so our entire constitution is just hypocritical because then we look at the rights not to be discriminated against based on sexual orientation, but whole corporations are saying we're not going to hire you because you're trans. Absolutely, babes. You, do you see how all corporations in Pride Month, they literally put their flags up and actually change their whole advertising scenario of the shops? After that, it's thrown away into the bin, and you'll find that also there is no intensive training or sensitizing the staff mm -hmm. in those corporations. So there is no investment into queer community, but rather seen as an opportunity to advertise, mm -hmm. uh, to put our logos. Also, you never see corporations writing solidarity statements when we are dying in this country, when queer bodies are actually a target in this country, you will never see corporations writing solidarity statements and saying that stop killing queer people. It's NGOs that work so hard simply to say that stop this nonsense. Let's go to our community. Let's have conversations. Let's sensitize our communities. So corporations only come into the game when it feeds them, when they need to advertise, when they need to put a, a queer face into them in 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 into their advertisement when we all feel like oh now they care but that's not caring that's not enough corporations need to do so much more to make sure that they protect employee em employees that are actually queer people right employees also that are not safe in the in in the workspace right hence you find queer people transitioning out of the workspace because they don't also feel safe Definitely. And recently there was statistics that came out on, I think, 41,625 women were reportedly raped in South Africa. My question then goes, how many of those unreported rapes were queer people? And why is it that when it's a queer person, now they become unreported rapes? And it, it goes beyond then the safety of me feeling safe in my corporate company, but me feeling safe going home after I work my nine to five. So it's not just from my understanding, it's not just corporations who are falsely being in solidarity, completely false, especially during that Pride Month time, but also government as well has a big role to play in this. Wow. Absolutely. But also what I'm saying is the fact that the police system of this country is actually a problem. 
Sinpiwe. How do you expect a gay man to walk in a police station that is so homophobic and actually not even care about men who are abused by other men in this country and to report a rape case? It's a matter of you're a man. You should be able to protect yourself anyways. You should be able to protect yourself. If you're a woman and you go there and say, like, I'm a lesbian and I've been raped by my partner, you will be automatically dismissed because for them, it's disgusting that you would come and tell them that. It's about them more than being about you. So this country is still literally making sure, like, directly or indirectly for me, what, what frustrates me is the fact that police they would actually think it's okay for them to say that, go back and solve this with your partner, Sissy. We have no say in what you're telling us. Or policemen in this country laugh at you as a man that is being abused by another man and to say that, daughter, please go. Hamba, Mbozluela. You know, mm, for me... You're wasting our time. When I hear the stories, you're wasting our time. When I hear those stories coming from... From, from 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 members of the community who've been abused, who've been victim and survivors of gender-based violence in their relationship, in, in, you know, partner, GBV, in, you know, for me, it frustrates me how people report these crimes and also how we go to our police stations and protest Simpiwe and say that Pelokazi, who has died in Side C in the hands of a man that is identified that is known in the community, the man is living free because the document is missing. Because the affidavit, because the documentation is missing. How in this country are we still not prioritizing queer crimes? And a bit of a lighter note, because, wow. Bayanda, but also a bit more personal question. Mm. Who for you is your action figure? a difficult one um surprisingly i'm sure you know for me i i feel dr Faleng uh Musa King is has been I, I mean i've been watching her for for, for a long time especially around the sensitization around pleasure sex positivity sexual health reproduction uh, reproductive rights for women and children um I mean, that work is important. Um, she has spoken about queer rights uh, in platforms of, in different platforms of, of social media or media or traditional media. Uh, action figures for me, like Dr. Taleng Fikeng, are, it, it's what we need as a country. It, 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 it's the kind of doctors that are fully sensitized, that are willing to invest in, in, in the queer community, uh, whether by spreading, uh, by distributing information or by getting directly involved into making sure that they advocate in their own right and, and in their own influence, they advocate for queer, for queer rights. So for me, I would say that I really, for now, uh, for me, I've, I've been, I've been, looking at the work of Dr. Zaleng Mufukeng, who is very, very much intentional into making sure that the sexual reproductive rights uh, uh, and sex positivity, uh, pleasure, uh, are things that we speak about. 
but also understanding uh, that 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 these the it, 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 it's a right, you know, to exist in this country uh, as a queer person, as a woman, you know. Thank you. And and our final question: How do people help the Triangle Project? I think for me, I mean, Triangle is a is a community based uh, organization. Uh, we do, you know, community workshops. We get into professional spaces. We sensitize. You know, people come to us for help. Uh, people come to us uh, for help, uh, whether it's access to uh, different spaces or uh, whether it's to start, you know, thinking about, around policies and transformation in our own communities, or whether it's to curate or rather develop safe spaces in our different communities. I think for me at, at Triangle, you can find a safe space, but you can also find a space where you can develop your own community and sensitize your own community. Uh, I think people must go on our website, which is triangleproject.org.za and just learn, you know, if you look at that, you look at the different work, you can always relate, especially as a queer person in, in this country, you can always relate to the work and see where you can get involved. Right now, we are working with different schools uh, into making sure that we 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 start talking about what, what do we mean by sexual sexual inclusive sexuality inclusive education in the in in, in, in schools, and we've got volunteers from Amanda Development from our safe spaces. These are the spaces where you can come become a facilitator, you can become an observer but you can just get involved into youth agency, um, especially around hashtag uh, queer justice for this country. Thank you so much, Bayanda. Thank you for sharing with us your story on what you do with the Triangle Project. Thank you for helping us understand the gaps in legislation and policy. Thank you for sharing with us the stories of members of the community and how we still haven't gotten anywhere. And we still have so much more to go. And I hope that through this interview, especially through the beginning of Action Figures, we can begin to do that. And more than anything, mm. we really appreciate you and we see you as an action figure. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Simpiwe. This, it, it, I mean, it was a good conversation. Um, and I, I think... I mean, I, I'm looking forward to watch more episodes and listen. I'd rather listen to more episodes uh, and engage with you if anything interesting is coming up uh, and to engage as well with the participants because I don't think this is just a recording. Uh, I think it, it's also a call to in action, right? Um, and to continue to do the work that we do. Thank you. Well, that's it from us on our very first episode of the Action Figures campaign. Stay tuned on our Instagram page to find out 
more of how you can get involved in our action figures campaign as well as how you can purchase tickets via action figures webinar happening on the 27th of august on google meets thank you so much to bayanda from the triangle conversation from the triangle project for having this conversation with me as well as from the Lebon Foundation, Arabella Chulwani. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of Action Figures and for allowing us to put your organization and your work on a pedestal. We see you and we recognize you as Action Figures here and activating youth activism.